one person asked for a copy of it that I remember. Uh, if you want a copy of it, I will certainly make you a copy of it as, as well. But uh, we want to uh, look at uh, class 8 and 9 as we uh, went through them last uh, last week. And I thought it was amazing uh, when I looked this up how giving reveals my spiritual maturity. And this little tidbit that I found, the word believe is used 272, 272 times. Prayer is used 371 times. Love is used 714 times. Give is used 2,162 times. Maybe that's why God said it's blessed, more blessed to give than to receive. So uh, we want to begin with verse, uh, chapter, class. I'll get it out here right in a minute. The heart of fellowship, participating in God's family. You know, uh, uh, when we look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, which, you know, we're familiar with that uh, uh, chapter. And uh, I will just quote some of them tonight because we want to get into some other subjects uh, before uh, the Lord comes. We all know about Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 that says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, we know that there are a lot of people who say, I believe the Lord's on his way, but they're not faithful. And God says, uh, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. We already know that God's saying some don't take uh, attendance very uh, serious. But he said even so much the more as you see today approaching. I would really feel bad, you know, of course, uh, you know, humanly speaking, if... Uh, I wasn't at church Sunday, and I wasn't sick. There wasn't, wasn't any reason why I shouldn't be there. And the Lord came, you know. And you said, well, that's in the past. What the average person does not know and does not agree with, we're, even though I'm saved and you're saved tonight, you're going to stand before God, and God's going to write off everything or just show you everything you did. And you'll see it as he sees it. So it's very important, you know, because especially if you have children, if you have a neighbor that you're trying to w- witness to, you know, we uh, certainly can't be a great good witness telling somebody else that they are to, uh, uh, you know, participate in God's family activities. And Hebrews 10.25 tells us that. 
we read that verse like you never had it before. You hear it, you read it, you study it, you memorize it, you meditate upon it, then you apply it. Those steps is how we do anything. We hear it. We read it. That's why that uh, if you know if you follow along in your Bible, and I think it's a great thing if you if you can see it, you know, to have the upon the screen so you can see it. But only see it, read it, because what we read and reread and reread. I mean, I'm still on the book of Psalms. I'm still on the book of Proverbs, reading it over and over and over every month. And God shows me things that I haven't seen before. That's how he does. So we look at this. We read that verse like we never have heard it before. Now, seven reasons why fellowship is important. And that's what we come to church. We come to church, first of all, to fellowship with God. Then we come to church to fellowship with our brothers and sisters. But if you just come, and that's why we see some, you know, uh, that they're faithful, and then one family they're really close to leaves, and then they leave. All they showed is that they were not sincere. Because if you're here for any other reason other than that God placed you here, you know this is where you need to be. You're here for the wrong reason. Well, seven reasons why fellowship is important. I belong in God's family with other believers. Galatians 6.10, I'm not going to read all of these. You can write them down or look up on the screen. Galatians 6.10, Ephesians 2.19, and Romans 12.6. Well, let's look at one. I'll just choose the one in the middle. And Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. God said here, Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. We are to know each other. And sometimes that somebody appears to be interested and then they're not interested and, you know. But we're here to serve God. To worship God. Second, I need encouragements to grow spiritually. Every one of us are to make a point, if we possibly can, to speak to each other. You know, we uh, need to show each other that they're important. There's every one of us, if we're here because God placed us here, 
There's not one of us any better, any more important than the other. Because if you have the ability, you know, and I may think something that you may not think, or you may think something I may not think. But, uh, you know, I believe that we are to uplift God's word every opportunity that we have. Don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to know the word. We used to have devotion. Brother Greg Barnes, if I had to write the devotions, and I don't have to, but I, he never had a bad devotion. And most of the time, he just read the Word. But the one I've got out in the car, I could stop preaching right now, put that in, and it lasts about 17 minutes. As long as devotion... He ever did. He preached. He didn't know he was preaching, but he preached. Just saying what was on his heart. That's what a devotion is. That's what talking about God is. So we need each other. We need each other. You know, that's... That's what we need to understand and got to understand if we're going to grow in grace and knowledge. God said in Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24, God said, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Nobody ought to do anything just so they can get praise. But if somebody comes in here, cleans the church, cleans the bathroom, whatever you do, if I know about it, I ought to thank them. Because it was as much of my job to do that as it was theirs. But we don't do it so somebody can praise us. We do it for the Lord. We do it for the Lord. I need accountability to grow spirituality. If I'm growing a child, all three of mine, as they grew from, you know, two years old or three years old or four years old, they started doing more things, getting into more things but you could see the growth. Not only in size, not only in pounds, but you could see the activity. A child of God is growing when this is my work. This is our work. We 
are to want God to bless us, see. But I need, I need accountability to grow spiritually. Notice, still in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13. Here the writer said, But exhort one another daily, which is called today, lest any of you harden through the deceitfulness of sin. When somebody asks, you know, let's give you a simple example. We voted to change the carpet. You know, this carpet's stained and we got a little extra money so we're going to put a new carpet. What color? If everybody, says 12, 20, 50, how many it was, was honest and don't go, Gene, what do you think? What about you, Henrietta? Says everybody giving their opinion and you take those opinions and the one that had the most, that's the color you got. And I don't care if it's a color I hated. That's the way it ought to be done because the majority rules. Well, I like this color, but I'm afraid so-and-so wouldn't. Then ask you what's so-and-so. You're growing. Growing is the ability to make decisions. You hopefully that those two twins, and I'm praying for you already, you know, turn 16, two more wild men out on the road, you know. We ought to pray for them. My son-in-law is my insurance agent. He said, your insurance may go up this time because of your age. If it does, cancel it. I'll drive like most everybody else do with no insurance. You know. Of course, I'm not. But, you know, when you're young, they don't trust you. When you get older, you're senile. <laughs> there ain't no way to win except in the Lord. Except in the Lord. Christ is presented, is present, excuse me, when we fellowship together. when we fellowship together. Look at Matthew. Matthew. Matthew, the 18th chapter. Matthew 18. Verse 19, Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth 
as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. There's great power when people pray together. Every one of us ought to agree that we want God to bless this church. That we want souls saved and added to this body. We ought to, as collectively, we ought to pray for that every day. It isn't, it isn't like it was when I got started, you know. Fellowship is a witness to the world. What, what the devil wants more than anything is for there to be trouble, arguments, disagreements, however you want to call it, in God's house. That's why we may understand, well, I did it. Well, uh, if I get mad and lose my temper at Walmart, you say, that's just you and Walmart. No, it's going to affect this church. You understand me? It'll affect this church. God tells us in John 17 and verse 21, 17 and verse 21, that they all may be one, as thy father are at me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Division sucks the power right out of a local body. When we were growing up, and I'm sure some of you can say it, and you may, if y'all still have that, praise, praise God for you. But as I've said before, on Sundays, whole family came home on Sunday. Wednesday night, at least half of them came to our house. Now the only way you hear from most of the family is somebody got real sick or died. And if they had something planned, they ain't going to come to the funeral either. I mean, it's a selfishness. Why? Because somebody accused somebody of doing this and they start taking sides. When there's a disagreement in the church, there's only one person that's right. That's Jesus Christ. And if the pastor can show you from the Bible what God says about it, everybody ought to say, Amen. I'm obligated to every Christian. I'm obligated 
Every one of us is obligated when Sister Anna Jones and Sister Judy Jones to have a consultation. Every one of us. Every one of us. Sister Shirley went to the doctor today. I found out about it. She's special to me. But every one of you is special to me. So I pray. I pray for her every day, but I pray. Nothing in my schedule is as important as praying for one of the flock when they have a special need. I'm obligated to every Christian, 1 Peter 4.10. We're obligated. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As every man have received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So what gift? I've received the gift of, of praying. Now that God has saved me, and if I'm in his will, I can pray. When I'm out of his fellowship, I just utter words. God hear not the prayer of a sinner. Well, that's talking about a lost man. It's talking about a man out of fellowship with the Lord and a lost man. You can't pray for somebody if you and God are not talking. Do you talk to him? Is he talking to you? You know how we do that, don't you? We read the Word of God and we pray. Read the Word of God and we pray. Fellowship. How can a large church maintain close friendship while tremendous benefits are derived from corporate worship, every member needs to be a part of a small group in order to establish and maintain close relationship. After all, even the apostles numbered only 12. You know, when this church grew, when we was having prayer rooms, When we were having fellowships, young at heart, but then, well, that's taking up too much of my time. What is more important than meeting with God and God's people? What is the purpose of small groups? They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayers and support, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. We got to fellowship. Fellowship. Could you, if we 
did this, you know, and certainly nothing wrong with it, but we, we started with Sister Linda and said, we're going to give you five minutes. Let's, tell us how God's blessed you today. And Sister Jean, Sister Henrietta, you know. We don't do that because some people don't like to do that. They don't feel comfortable doing that. But see, when you can speak out because of what God has done, what God has done, what is the purpose of the whole church meeting together? Well, worship must be God-centered. And when the song leader picks out the song, the piano's played, we are to sing, not murmur, sing. That's how church is blessed. You can, you know, we go to certain churches when we have revivals and youth meetings, and certain churches sing. You go to Landmark Baptist in Georgia. There's a lot of things in that church that I don't do, but the singing is great. Because they sing out. Not because they're just singers. Some of them are. Worship must be God-centered. Whatever we determine that the scriptures reveal as the goal of congregational setting, it must be something that is done in an orderly manner. You know, song leader says, sing, turn the page 18. He picks it out there, I can't sing that song. Why don't we pick out something everybody can sing? It doesn't make any difference. If you don't know the song, you listen. That's why the song leader needs to sing loud so that people can hear him. The piano player playing. And you listen. And you may not be able to follow along this time. So you sing it again. And you sing it again. Whatever is included as a part of worship, it must be only things that serve to build up and encourage those who attend. The people that are not here, we're not going to spend a lot of time because I've got a sermon in the next weeks and months ahead on these. Lord's Supper. 
What if we have the Lord's Supper? And I called up everybody on Saturday night and said, we don't have the Lord's Supper Sunday. Well, I wouldn't like that. Oh, you mean you're not prepared? Ought to be prepared to take the Lord's Supper every year, every month, every week. We prepare to worship God, and the Lord's Supper is one of the means that we worship. See, from what I've seen in my ministry, I've had people come to me on Sunday morning or Sunday night when we take the Lord, Lord's Supper and said, you know, I had some things in my life, Pastor, but I've taken care of them because I want to take the Lord's Supper. Well, you rejoice. So they take the Lord's Supper and you see them out Sunday afternoon doing the very thing that they said they had taken care of. And you wonder why the Lord don't bless. No, I wonder why the Lord is not killing more people. It's dangerous to take the Lord's Supper with open sin in your life. Prayer, praising God with the singing of songs, hearing God's word proclaimed, 1 Timothy 4.13, sharing financially in the work, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 4. See, we got to We got to convince people that we're real. Next thing we want to look at is we need to look back. The purpose of the class is to look at basic habits that every Christian needs to develop in order to grow spiritually maturity. Facts about spiritual maturity, it's not automatic. I know people that are made a profession of faith years ago. We expect them to be babies. Four or five years later, they're still babies. I like to hear how Jesus died and went to the grave and arose. I do too. I love the resurrection story. But I also like to hear and be able to find in the word of God how God wants me to live. See, but growing materially, growing automatic about spiritual maturity, it doesn't happen that way. But Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, Hebrews 5, 12 said, and notice, 
For when for the time ye are to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the articles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are at full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. What God is, is saying I, di- I didn't know, I mean, you would be astounded at how stupid I was with the Bible. I went to a Presbyterian church. They didn't teach me nothing because I didn't listen. I wasn't there to learn. When I got bigger and out in the world, I'd stop at some bar and there would be the Deacon or the Sunday school teacher there. I don't need that. I do that. I don't have to join no church. I don't have to be baptized. I don't have, you know. There wasn't no difference between them and me. That's just an excuse. I know that. I know that now. But God said, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. I'm not talking about your age in years, spiritually. A person that's been saved 10, 15, 20, 25 years, they ought to want strong meat. We ought to be able to take the doctrine and, and listen, and if we've never been taught, follow along, ask the pastor, do you have an outline on this? We had a gentleman down to Hebron. We had to round up discipline somebody. You know. And he said, you don't have the right to discipline me. I said, you're absolutely right. I don't. But the church does. Would you like to see it in the Word? No, I don't want to see it anywhere. Then what you're saying, you don't want to learn. All you want to do is go through the Word of God and pick out things that you agree with. And if you don't agree with it, you don't want to learn. You don't want to study it. And I told him, and I'll tell anybody here tonight where I may preach. If you believe that I'm preaching something wrong, you owe it to me to come to me and see, see, Pastor, this is where you're wrong. Fifty-some years it hadn't happened. Because I don't preach anything that I can't prove it from the Word of God. And you are not to believe anything that's not in the Word of God. See, there's, there's nuggets everywhere. 
I, I think I brought it. I, I left it in there, but I was thinking that Brother Jim, I believe that uh, Brother Arnold, the old man, Where I find my old books, strangest place, you know, <laughs> Goodwill store. I found one of Dr. Lewis Arnold's books for five cents. You know, <laughs> ain't nobody going to go in a, you know, they want to find a love novel. This is the greatest love novel you ever read. I like a mystery. Here it is. I like to find one about murder. Here it is. I like to find one about love. Here it is. What kind of Bible you got? Oh, it says old King James. And you see, when you get these books, that these old preachers wrote, and some of them got sons and grandsons, and pardon me, they just ain't got it like the old man did. They don't have it. Because they're playing the number game. Anybody that God doesn't save shouldn't belong to a church. It's trouble. When you have a lost person in church, it's trouble. We look back to the purpose of, for our classes. It's a focus on the class. Facts about spiritual maturity. It's not automatic. It took almost 16 years for the twins to look forward to being 16. And it took 29 years for me to be where I'm at. <laughs> we got to grow into it. As we finish up here, just want to stop right here. I may finish it up, may not. Four habits of a disciple. to say, I'm going to raise your hand how many, how many of you are, are disciples. But there's four habits of a disciple. I, I think there's four, there's at least one main habit of uh, staying married, and that's coming home. But four habits of a disciple is spend time with God, John 8, 31 and 32. Prayer, John 15, verse 7 and 8. Giving, Deuteronomy 14, 23, Luke 14, 33, and fellowship. That's habits of a disciple. You've got to spend time in word. You've got to spend time in prayer. You've got to give. You, I'm, I'm, I'm not just talking about money. You give yourself. You know, this pandemic 
little small county of Nicholas County. I've got a number of calls. And what most of them want, they want physical help. It's been bad over there. I mean, it's been bad. People living in an old house and that flood came and said, washed it off. They need help. But what an opportunity to preach the gospel to them. We've got to search ways to reach the lost. Brother Steve, would you dismiss us word of prayer? Thank you for each and every one.